give a warm welcome to Narayani Devi. Shri Narayani Devi. Um, she's going to be speaking today on counteracting the threefold miseries. Okay, very good. We all need to hear how to counteract them. As you can see, Narayani Devi always travels with her Giriraj. So we have an actual stone from Giriraj from Vrindavan here today. So after the talk, please come and take darshan of Giriraj. So, Narayani is a di disciple of Srila Prabhupada's, and she joined in Boston in 1970. She's done many services, including deity worship in the Calcutta Temple, traveling book distribution. She has taught Bhakti Shastri, Bhakti Bhai Vaba, and the Bhakti Vedanta courses. Those are all higher and higher levels of our Shastras. And um, she is an initiating guru within ISKCON. She's actually the first woman guru in ISKCON. Hariwal. We're still working out a few kinks around that, but, but um, she has already uh, been uh, respected in that way. She resides in Vrindavan, and she publishes, writes, and studies yearly for her annual tour around the world. And she crosses the world from Australia to Denmark to Germany and across America. And I personally was blessed when I lived in Rindavan. She lived in the house next to me. And uh, yeah, she was always just absorbed in reading and chanting and serving Krishna. She's a beautiful son, uh, Govinda, who lives in Alachua. And uh, he does something really nice. He builds tiny houses. Have you all heard of tiny houses? You can build a tiny house. Okay, your friend has one. So good, yeah, tiny houses are, 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 are very wonderful. So, um, Narayani, we are so delighted you are here. Thank you for being here. Please again, give Narayani Devi a warm welcome. So we're reading from Bhagavad Gita, chapter two, verse, 56. One who is not disturbed in mind, even amidst the threefold miseries, or elated when there is happiness, and who is free from attachment, fear, and anger, is called a sage of steady mind. So we're going to read a little from the purport um, about the attitude of a devotee of Krishna when difficulties come to him. What is his attitude? Such a fully Krishna conscious person is not at all disturbed by the onslaughts of the threefold miseries, for he accepts all miseries as the mercy of the Lord, thinking himself only worthy of more trouble due to his past misdeeds. So, one who is not a devotee of Krishna, when difficulties come, he says, first thing is, why me? Why me? Have you ever felt like that sometimes also? <laughs> 
And if you don't think, why me? You think, um, you see somebody who is like more sick than you are or has only one leg, and you think, oh, wow, I'm glad that didn't happen to me. You know, I'm, I'm much better off. Yeah, I should be grateful. Uh, yes. But the Vaishnava, he thinks, why not me? Well, that's the pure devotee. Um, we may not be on that level. That's a very high level to be. But they think, why not me? I think, um, yes, this was Jesus Christ and um, uh, Vasudev Dutta and Chaitanya Leela. Let all the sins come to me. Let me suffer. And so this is uh, the Vaishnava mentality. And when difficulties come, he says, yes, yes, um, I should have suffered much more, but Krishna is only giving me a little bit. Um, yeah, so uh, I have one friend, and she, um, uh, across the temple of Vrindavan, she went to a medicine shop, and they gave her some medicine which made her get poison in the blood. And she was in the hospital for three months. And she was thinking, you know, why? She was thinking, why me? Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, so after she got out of the hospital, she went to her astrologer. And the astrologer said, yes, you know, um, in that three months, you should have been in a very serious accident and become paralyzed for life. So Krishna reduced her karma and that at that time, that she was stuck in the hospital. She couldn't get in an accident. So, <laughs> yeah, Krishna reduces our, our karma. So when things happen, we should be grateful. Thank you, Krishna, for reducing it. I should have, it should have been much worse. Um, so, and when, what happens when happiness comes to a devotee? Similarly, when he's happy, he gives credit to the Lord, thinking himself unworthy of the happiness. He realizes it is only due to the Lord's grace that he is in such a comfortable condition and able to render better service to the Lord. Yeah, so when happiness comes, he thinks, wow, I don't deserve this. It's too much. I really, I really don't deserve this. Um, now, if somebody is not a devotee of Krishna who's, or not worshiping God in his religion, in any religion, he will think, when happiness comes, he'll think, yes, this is due to my hard work, my intelligence, I'm expert, and, you know, and they teach you, yeah, you can do it, and some of these, uh, these uh, philosophies nowadays, uh, the motivational speakers, yes, it's in you, you can do it, but what's in you? It's the Lord in the heart, <laughs> and he's the one who's giving your, you the ability to do it. So now, today, we're going to talk a little bit about, mm, about the threefold miseries. And before that, it's, uh, it, as devotees, sometimes, you know, we know the philosophy theoretically. But when it comes to practice, it, it becomes a little more difficult, like you're not this body, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know, I'm not the body, but <laughs> sometimes it's difficult to, to, to feel that. So uh, one time, one of my godbrothers went to Prabhupada and says, you know, my body is being affected by the modes of nature. Uh, I'm experiencing desires. And Prabhupada said, no, no, you're not experiencing. Your body is experiencing. You are not feeling cold. And the body said, but I think I'm feeling cold. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Prabhupada said, uh, yeah, so you are thinking that is illusion. <laughs> so I should rise above that? 
And um, Prabhupada said, yes, but not artificially. But this is the fact. You have to gradually rise to this level. Just like when you have a fever, you're, you're not feverish, you're healthy, but the fever has come. And the fever will go, and you'll be healthy again. So that's compared in Gita to seasonal changes. Happiness comes, happiness goes, and it's like seasonal changes. So yes, uh, Siddha Prabhupada was one time, I mean, he, he got sick a few times. One time he got really sick for three days, tossing and turning in his bed with fever and diarrhea. So after three days, his servant was curious. He asked Prabhupada, does the pure devotee suffer? Prabhupada said, no, it was a lover's bite. Now, what does that mean? It means Krishna is his lover, and he was just, you know, handling him a little roughly. That's how he saw it. That's how he saw it. So, yeah, so that day we will come when we will see it's, it's all Krishna's mercy. So threefold miseries, there are three. That is adi-bhautik, adi-daivik, adi-atmik. So adi-bhautik means miseries due to other living beings. People give you trouble. Mosquitoes give you trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, flies, I don't know. I haven't seen them here so much. But yeah, so that's adi-bhautik. How do you counteract that? We're going to go to Srimad Bhagavatam. And this is in the 7th canto, 15th chapter, verse 24 how to counteract the threefold miseries all in one verse. Now, adibautic, due to other living entities, you can counteract by good behavior, freedom from envy. And we're going to get in more detail. And how do you counteract uh, adidaivik? Adidaivik means from the weather, from nature, and we call it the demigods. Uh, and uh, how do you counteract adidaivik? by meditation and trance. So we'll talk about all of these. And the third one is Adi Atmik. That's your own mind and your body. How do we counteract that? Um, Bhagavatam says, Hatha Yoga and Pranayam. Believe it or not. Um, yes. Okay, so we're going to start with Adi Daivik, meditation and trance. So, of course, our meditation is Hare Krishna Maha Mantra and the form of Krishna, that's our meditation. Um, but uh, yes, uh, there are other uh, people in India, but they also practice meditation in trance. Um, so there was one example of a saintly person. Um, and what ha- in 2013, there is a big avalanche up in Kedarnat. And everyone was up there and they were, uh, all the, uh, there was a big flood and avalanche, and both sides of the temple were destroyed. Now, a big rock fell in back of the temple. It was protected. Temple was fine. But on both sides, everything was finished, and the roads were finished. And uh, there was one saintly person standing in front of the temple and meditating in trance on Lord Shiva. And he was undisturbed by the devastation. He was just standing there and saying his prayers. Nothing happened to him. Nothing happened. So then um, they were evacuating everybody by helicopter. The roads were finished. And they told this, this person, okay, now you can get in the helicopter and go. And he said, I don't need helicopter. I will walk. <laughs> so <laughs> this is meditation and trance. Maybe he had some mystic powers. We don't know. But um, <laughs> he, he was going to walk. 
uh, I don't know where. But yes, so this is meditation in trance. Then we have adibotic, that's good behavior and freedom from envy is problems from other living entities. Other living entities. So yes, yeah, so if somebody is superior to you, then you should serve them. This is especially among devotees. And um, if somebody is your equal, you should make friendships. And if somebody is your junior, you should try to lift them up. Now, this is the opposite of the material world. In the material world, you're in a, some company, and you want to bring the ones who are up above you down. And this was shown when Srila Prabhupada went to Japan. He was talking to one executive, and he asked this, this man, what is your goal in life? And he showed Prabhupada a stack of calling cards with the names of all the executives. His was on the bottom. He took it and put it on the top. That's my goal in life. <laughs> so this is the material world. At the cost of others, you try to. You bring them down or you push down those who are junior. But in spiritual life, it's opposite. You bring people up and you go up also. So this is, this is an important thing to know. Um, and sometimes even in our movement, there was when Prabhupada was here, uh, people would complain about other devotees. Like one, one devotee complained to Prabhupada, you know, devotees are so impersonal. And Srila Prabhupada said, you should not expect utopia in this world, even among the Krishna conscious people, because um, they, are, they have given up so much to serve Krishna. And so um, even their lackings have become transcendental. So yes, we don't see fault. And when, when I was in India, in Bombay, um, it was very interesting. I landed in Juhu in 1972, and I got such a big culture shock because um, I was li we were living in a, I mean, we weren't, the men were living in a hut. The hut was the prasadam room, the kitchen, the office, you name it, that was the hut. And we, the ladies were living, ladies' ashram was on the roof of a building, and it was summer. So that's our, our ashram. <laughs> so it was prasadam time, my first prasadam in India. And I was sitting there, and I was looking at these big, huge rats running across the rafters. I was thinking, hope he doesn't fall on my plate. He fell in someone else's. <laughs> and I was happy. <laughs> Shouldn't have been. But <laughs> that was a culture, a culture shock of being in India. Um, <laughs> my first day, in, right after I landed, you know, breakfast, breakfast prasad. So it was very austere. Um, so there was one Dr. Patel who used to go on morning walks with Srila Prabhupada. And he felt compassion. He went begging his doctor to the market, and he got mattresses, pillows, mosquito nets, everything for us. But within two years, they all vanished because we didn't have doors. They got stolen. So <laughs> he complained to Prabhupada, oh, you know, they don't care of them, take, them, take care of themselves, they're uh, careless. Um, and this, this doctor, he was with Prabhupada, you know, speaking Bhagavad Gita, but his goal was liberation. So Prabhupada said to this Dr. Patil, these devotees don't care if they have to sleep on the floor, they don't care if they get disease or, or don't have proper facilities, that liberation you so much desire, they already have. <laughs> so we were liberated, although we didn't feel like it. Um, very much. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was difficult times. 
in the early days, we had a matka, uh, we had a pot of water with a lid, our drinking water, right? Lift off the lid, and all these bugs would fly out, and then we have to drink milk at night because the lights were on and all the bugs were coming to the lights, so we had to fish all the bugs out from our milk. It was, yeah, the early days. Anyway, but we, we remember those days with fondness. Um, so yes, uh, so you must, um, you can counteract problems due to other beings by good behavior and freedom from envy. Now, adiatmic is very interesting. Um, problems due to the body and mind, says hatha yoga and pranayama. Now, in the, in the third canto of Bhagavatam, Prabhupada explains pranayama in Kripiladev's teaching. Pranayama is chanting and dancing Hare Krishna. So when we chant and dance, we're doing pranayama, actually. So, and this will make us free from body and mental miseries. Gita says that he who is regulated in his habits of eating, sleeping, recreation, and work can mitigate all material pains by practicing the yoga system. So, yes, regulation, that's the mode of goodness. And if we regulate ourselves, it will be very helpful in our spiritual life. So there is one word which describes the mode of goodness, and it also describes Ayurvedic medicine in one word. Can anybody tell me what that one word is which describes the mode of goodness, and it describes Ayurvedic medicine in a nutshell? It's one word. It's, no. It's an English word. <laughs> huh? That sounds like Sanskrit to me. <laughs> yeah, it's an English word. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you. Balance. Balance is Ayurveda. You want to balance the dosas and mode of goodness. You're, the modes are balanced. You're, they're under control. You're in goodness. So balance. We want to balance ourselves. And to do that, we, can, we need to be regulated, and that will mitigate our misery. So I'll give you some examples of how Chanting Hare Krishna will, um, will save you, will, will make you um, actually, will, will counteract the miseries of the body and mind. And so one time His Holiness Indra Swami was in an airplane in uh, Africa, and he was flying one place to the other. Now this could also be considered uh, a way to counteract uh, the misery of Adidaivik, or due to the weather or whatever, outside. So it, it covers two of these points. So uh, the plane was coming for landing, and it, as soon as it would try to land, it was shaking terribly. Maharaj was going, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. <laughs> and the Christians were going, Jesus. And the Muslims were going, Allah. And the plane went back up. It, and then next to Maharaj was one scientist. She says, Swamiji. I am a scientist. I do not believe in these things. So the plane went back down, started shaking violently, and everyone was chanting, except the scientist. And the plane went back up, and the scientist was looking a bit sick. And he said, Swamiji, what was that you were saying? <laughs> and so then he said, Hare Krishna. No, the whole thing, the whole thing. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Yeah, so, okay, and the 
Pilate made an announcement, okay, we're going to try one more time, and if we don't make it, we're going to go back to where we came from. The plane went down, started shaking because of the winds, and everyone was chanting, even the scientists, and the plane landed. So then Maharaj said, now do you believe? And the scientist said, maybe. <laughs> so then Maharaj said, here's my card. Uh, if, you, if you want, you can, um, you can contact me if you have any questions. So yeah, that, it works. It works. Uh, it does help when you chant and there's turbulence. I'll give you another example of chanting and dancing. I was in, a, in Nepal uh, in a Vaishnavi retreat. There were about 150 Nepali ladies, and they know how to dance. So one night, they had a kirtan, starting at 7.30. And they were out in ecstasy, dancing and chanting. One Gujarati lady came and said, it's prasadam time. Hmm. Nobody paid attention. So then 8.30 came, she said, prasadam? Nobody paid attention. They were just dancing and chanting. <laughs> they, did, they weren't hungry. 9.30, she tried again. <laughs> it's really desperate. And nobody paid attention. So she started chanting and dancing, and she forgot to. <laughs> so, yeah, it counteracts. Your pranayam counteracts the miseries. You might be hungry, but you forget when you're dancing and chanting. So this is, um, these are the threefold miseries. Uh, Due to the body and mind, you chant and dance. So the attitude of devotee is, um, first of all, hope against hope. There's a verse in Bhagavatam that says that, that there's uh, three um, conditions, three uh, conditions, how the, how the attitude of devotee is, how he thinks. First one is he hope against hope to get the mercy of the Lord. He sees every day. He looks for it. Where is the mercy? How is it going to come today? <laughs> And yeah, and so mercy comes. Then, then that day is full of mercy when you look for it. You have to look for it too sometimes. And sometimes it just comes. Um, and so then uh, that's the first thing, hope against hope for the mercy. Second is tolerate your karma or what is your token karma, not your real karma. Tolerate. Uh, Sita Prabhupada did tolerate. And um, the third thing is you, you keep your service, do your service with body, mind, and words. And then you can, you are qualified. If you do these three things, hope against hope for the mercy, tolerate the karma that comes to you, and keep on serving Krishna with body, mind, and words, then you are qualified to inherit the kingdom of God. You are qualified to go back to home, back to Godhead. You will get the inheritance, which is our rightful claim. All of us got an inheritance being in this movement. And what is that inheritance? The spiritual world. Isn't that a good deal? Um, and all we have to do is uh, these three things. And also another thing in the, um, I just thought of, in the Uddhava Gita, that there's not only Bhagavad Gita, there's Uddhava Gita, that at the conclusion, the whole Gita, the whole Uddhava Gita is showing you the difference between matter, material thing, and spirit, spiritual things. And at the end, uh, Krishna concludes, and he says, the devotee is the most clever, devotee is the most intelligent. Why? Because he takes the material and uses it to get the spiritual. So, and, and, and one, um, there is a commentator, I think it's Sanatana Goswami, 
And he says, uh, you trade in this body, which is worthless. Um, I mean, maybe you think it's worth, it is worth something because we can use it for Krishna. It's worth the trade-in. Now, you can trade in this body, and what do you get? Krishna gives himself, and he's very valuable. That's, he's very valuable, so it's worth it. We should do that. How do we trade in our body? We use our body, mind, and senses to glorify him, to serve him. So it's really worth it. And we should do that in this life, trade in these bodies. So I'd just like to end with, well, it's almost the end, um, <laughs> with uh, one thing from um, my godbrother Bhagwat when he went to Prabhupada. Again, from the start of the beginning of this lecture, we're talking about uh, how it's, uh, there's a difference between our theoretical knowledge and our realization sometimes. It doesn't add up. So he's, he's putting this doubt before Srila Prabhupada. I'm confused because throughout your books and your lectures, you say when you become a devotee, you're on the transcendental platform. But at the same time, you talk about being affected by the modes of material nature, so that we may f- feel that. We're doing, we're on the spiritual path, but we're getting affected. Um, I'm a devotee, I'm practicing devotional service, experience a certain amount of transcendental pleasure, and at the same time, I feel affected by the modes of material nature. Now, how could that be? How is it I can be transcendental and be affected at the same time? So Prabhupada's answer was, it is just like being on a boat. When you're on the boat, no one can say you're not on the boat. You're on the boat. But sometimes big waves will come and knock you over and rock the boat. Those are the modes of material nature. So how to become steady? You have to learn from the captain of the boat, spiritual master, how to steer the boat through the uh, nations of this material world, through the ocean of material life. And so that is... Uh, what uh, the answer Prabhupada gave. And I'd like to end with one prayer from His Holiness Sachinandan Swami. It's a prayer when you're faced with difficulties. It's a very nice prayer. My Lord, I cannot solve this alone. It is beyond my capabilities, my intelligence, my plans, my ideas. I sincerely request you to accept me as your surrendered soul, protect and maintain me. Now, protect me means keep me in a situation where I can function and the problems of material existence don't upset my life that much. That's his definition of protection. And maintain me means to maintain me on the spiritual platform. So the spiritual platform is is very difficult to maintain someone on the spiritual platform. uh, we, We can lose it. We can forget it. So we, we pray for that, that I don't lose my spiritual desires. I don't lose my determination to keep on no matter what happens. So that is his prayer. I'll leave you with that. And I'll stop here. And if there's any questions or comments, you can ask right now. Uh, I didn't understand the one part you said, uh, the hope for hope like that. Hope against hope. Does that mean you should, like... Look for that, or you're not supposed to look for that? I didn't Look for that. what? I'm not really sure what it means. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you should hope for mercy. You should hope for mercy. Like any little thing that happens in your day, be grateful. Oh, wow, thank you 
for giving me a parking spot today. I really, normally it's very difficult to get this parking spot. And that's your mercy. Or you wake up with a little headache and, and then it goes away. Oh, thank you for helping me with that problem. Or you get a, a phone call from the temple. Oh, we really need your help. Can you come? Oh, thank you for calling me, Krishna. Yes, I, I will come and do something. So we look for mercy in our day. It may be a small thing. Or it may be a big re realization. We may be chanting our, our japa, and all of a sudden we feel, Krishna is with me here. Wow, I never had that before. Or you feel a great happiness, a great contentment, a great satisfaction. You don't want to stop chanting. That's also mercy. These are all different kinds of mercy that can come in your day. So we should hope for that. We should hope for that mercy. Okay, anything else? Yes. Hare Krishna, thank you for the nice talk. Uh, could you repeat, like, how do we counteract uh, miseries from other living entities? So we just do the three Yeah, we try good behavior. Good behavior. And don't be, and don't be envious of the others. Don't be envious of the other living entities, but try to see the good. Try to see the good and help everybody with their Krishna consciousness. If they're superior, you can do some service to help them. If they're equal, you can exchange some gifts and something in Krishna consciousness. If they're your junior, then you can help um, give them a book or help read to them or help them like that. Okay, on this side there is a Question. This isn't actually a question, but oh. maybe a further comment on the okay. hope against hope. Hope against so hope. So the hope part is clear, but the against hope, I always interpret it to mean <laughs> I don't deserve any hope. Okay. You know, I'm miserable, I'm fallen, but still the word is, still there's hope against hope. Yeah, that's, that's confusing when you say against hope. It's, it's an English saying. <laughs> so thank you for clarifying that. Against hope, yeah. Thank you. That's really good. Because that might have been confusing there. Yeah? Uh, this is, again, mysteries from the other people. So in the, if you have a other person that is making you fear. Making afraid. Afraid. Mm -hmm. How should I contract? Um, OK, that's a very good question. Um, and I th it sounds to me like, again, this is something you cannot do alone. You, you will need someone else to help you navigate this. Uh, it's best to ask a professional advice um, how, to, how to do this. Uh, that's the, I mean, that's the first thing. Ask, ask a professional, what should I do? It can be abuse. It could be something like that. Uh, so you do that. At the same time, you can um, try to forgive. Don't keep it in your heart. You can try to forgive that person but not if it's continuous, then you need uh, some intervention there. Need some intervention. Uh, you can forgive. Uh, at the same time, you can pray. You can chant Nishinga Mantra. If it is somebody on the gross, if it's on the subtle, then you can take a bath in cow dung. <laughs> Those subtle entities don't like it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it depends on your problem. It's, uh, you would have to consult somebody. Okay, yeah, we do have another hand. Um, Kunchi. Thank you for the class. How did you maintain um, your faith during those difficult times early on when you were struggling materially? 
you know, in the roof. How did we maintain our faith when we were struggling materially? Yeah, um, with the, especially with the rats, you know. With the God. rats. <laughs> Yeah, early days. Um, well, you, uh, to tell you the truth, we were young. And we were kind of in the hippie generation. So it was like an adventure. And it was a challenge. Yeah, okay, me against the rats. Uh, um, no, in Calcutta, in Calcutta there were rats. Uh, we were in, in Calcutta. I used to put the deities to sleep at 1030 and there were these big, huge rats. And I had to give them the right of way. <laughs> because otherwise, I, I didn't want to challenge them, no. At 10.30 at night, it's their time, you know, when they run and get and look for food. Um, so, you know, we, but actually, uh, we, Prabhupada told us we could go back to Godhead in this life. And we felt like maybe three years, four years, we'll be self-realized. Um, <laughs> and so we had that faith. <laughs> and so that's what kept us going. And we saw how Prabhupada was doing more austerities than we were. And he was, so, he was so appreciative when he would come to Calcutta. He would say, he would give a lecture. He, every, every lecture he'd appreciate the deities. I was the pujari. And, and some lectures he would say, thank you, for staying in Calcutta. I cannot stay here because his wife was there. He was sannyasi. And so he's, thank you for preaching here. I know you cannot even get milk, we, you know, which was the truth. There was, everything was contaminated, the ghee, the milk. Now you get, now you can get very nice. But in those days, no, it was very awesome. And we were sick, too. We were always, because the water, the water was bad. Um, so he appreciated, and we felt the reciprocation and to tell you the truth, I, I was the pujari. I was doing 20 hours seva. And I didn't feel like I was in the material world. I was with Krishna. So that kept me going. I, I, wanted, I wanted to stay in here. It's not, it's not Kakoda. It's Goloka, you know. <laughs> I'm with the deities. Uh, so we felt that. And, 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 you know, we only slept four hours, so it didn't matter, you know, about the rats. We had mosquito nets, so... They did respect, you know. They respected us. I only got bit once because I slept on the roof. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, he. He was. He was. Um, yeah, I was sleeping, and then, and then all of a sudden, I woke up. Uh, he had eaten my toe because it was dry, a lot of dry skin, <laughs> and so he saved me the trouble of getting it off. Um, <laughs> The rat, yeah. <laughs> One morning I woke up with a little bat curled against my foot. <laughs> it was at Calcutta. And the, the rats were bigger than the cats. <laughs> we did have cats come, but you know. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> they <laughs> no, it, we were, it, it was, I don't know, yeah, it was a very, same temple now, but I don't think it's just, it, they don't have that problem now. Yeah. I think um, they keep, because they, we had open windows with no screens, and, you know, they could just climb in, you know. Simpler times back then as well. Very simple, no electricity, no water, yeah. Very, very, yeah. Now I think the electricity is better. 
Um, we just before we let Narayani go, I would like to see. Do you do you have any Prabhupada story? Did you have any personal interactions with Srila Prabhupada? Yeah, I can just tell one because we little okay. time. As Pujari, we had two altars: Radhagovinda, Gor Radhagovinda, and Jagannath. So the bees used to come in the back window, and we had amazing flowers every day. Hundred forty-four lotuses every day. 144 roses, 50 garlands. I would change the flowers five times a day. Wow. Now, the bees knew that. And they would come, these bumblebees would come on Radha Govinda's site, sit in the lotus, and stay there the whole day. On Jagannath's site, small, small beads would come and sit on the garlands. So that, like the description of Aikunta and Goloka. The bumblebees in Goloka and small bees in Vaikuntha. And Prabhupada said, if the bees are coming to the deities, that means Krishna is pleased with the worship. Another time I was doing Mangalarti, and I turned around with the gilam to give the devotees, and Prabhupada was right behind me, like about six inches. There was no like separation in Calcutta, just a chain um, between the deities and devotees. So yeah, I, I was kind of shocked, and I didn't know, should I offer it to him, or should I do a puja first? And, and I did a fast puja and offered the kila. <laughs> so then I was, you know, the rest of the arti, I was very nervous and very attentive and fixed, focused. And after the arti, I thought, hmm, okay, I should do all my service like that. The Prabhupada's standing right behind me and watching me. And so, <laughs> yeah, many, many experiences. I'm not many, but some. And those were two of them. I don't know. I have, do I have one more minute, or am yes, I? Yes, yes, yes. One more minute. What can well, I? Well, Narayana, you also translated. Well, I transliterated. Transliterated. Yeah, okay, I can tell that. I was in Calcutta, and Pradumna came, Sanskrit scholar. He said, "We need someone to type uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita for Prabhupada. Um, so you have to learn how to read Bengali. We're leaving tomorrow." I said, "No problem." And they gave me a Bengali book. I learned to read. Off I was with Shri Prabhupada. <laughs> About two hours it took <laughs> to learn. And uh, yeah, I was in, sitting in Mayapur on the floor. We didn't have furniture. It was, they were still building the building while we were in it, of course. And um, so I was sitting on the floor. There were no windows. Prabhupada was walking outside, and he looked in my hole in the wall, and he saw me with um, headphones, a dictaphone. I had a big, huge Bengali Chaitanya open. So Prabhupada would speak the Bengali, I would read it in Bengali, and I would type it in English letters. And uh, so I did the whole um, Nabadweep Leela, Adi Leela 13 to 17, in one month in Mayapur. So Prabhupada called me to his room, you know Bengali? Yes, Shira Prabhupada. <laughs> I just learned the day before how to read it. <laughs> so he says, so, I want you to learn how to type in Bengali. And we will... He will, we will um, do many books together. So one brahmachari was te teaching me how to type on a Bengali typewriter. And I said, and so I, was, I said, okay, look, look. You don't have to look at the keys. You just look at the paper, and you don't have to look at the keys. And he said, oh, now I understand what Prabhupada told me. He said, you teach her, and you also learn from her. And so I was teaching him touch typing in Bengali. <laughs> anyway, that was... Mayapur and Calcutta. Uh oh. Wow. Wow. Okay.
Lakshmi Van Prabhu is bursting, so you have... One, one minute. Um, <laughs> just in continuing this vein of telling these little stories, oh. um, I just want to tell one story because oh. I happen to be there. Uh, in 1976, in springtime, uh, we, all the devotees were gathered at the Mayapur festival with Srila Prabhupada. And some of us went to Calcutta uh, for a few days. We knew that Srila Prabhupada was coming. And uh, so I arrived there. And uh, one morning, the day of Srila Prabhupada's arrival, in fact, I went into the temple room and I noticed that the deities were very beautifully dressed. What were their names, Mataji? Radha Govinda. Radha Govinda. And, um, I, you know, I mean, we've seen so many deity dressings, but I went in that morning and I thought, wow, this is something different, which I've never seen before. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what it was. It was like, I, I think there were, there were flowers hanging in three dimensions, I think, like <laughs> orbiting Krishna-like planets. And Anyway, it was really noteworthy, especially nice and tasteful. I didn't know who had done it. I didn't know that it was you. But... Um, <clears throat> Uh, then Srila Prabhupada arrived. He came up the steps into the temple room, sat down, led the Jai Radha Madhava uh, Kirtan, and immediately upon finishing the Jai Radha Madhava Kirtan, the first words out of his mouth were, I want to thank you for dressing Radha Madhava so nicely. <laughs> yeah. he, had, he had just come from Mayapur. And uh, anyway, so my thought was, oh, whoever dressed these deities must be really happy um, to get that... Um, approval from Srila Prabhupada. So it was about uh, 35 or 40 years later that I happened to uh, run into Narayani Maharaj uh, Mataji and, and I told her this story and she said, oh yeah, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, 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 just, I'll just like to add a little bit more. Okay, okay. He, Prabhupada called us up, and my husband and I, and we offered obeisances. And uh, after that, one sannyasi came to us and he said, did you hear what Prabhupada said when he, you offered obeisances? And we said, no. What did he say? He said, be blessed. Uh. <laughs> so then I understood, okay, next day, you know, okay, I got the blessings. I don't retire, you know, the age of my 20s. So you have to earn the blessings every day. It's not like you just get them once and that's your finish for life. You have to keep earning the blessings every day. Wow. Well, we all feel blessed, right? <laughs> that we, we had three <laughs> Narayani Devi Ki. Yeah. Wonderful. And Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Thank you so much. We hope that you will always, your path will always take you through our temple and this uh, DMV area so we can um, just be enlivened and, and really get a taste. I'm just struck by the incredible flowers in contrast to those little creatures, those small little creatures running around at 10.30 at night, right? What a contrast, right? Incredible. I'm sure there's lots more. Narayani, um, please, I invite you all to come take darshan. And if you have any other questions, for Nar are you here for a little bit, Narayani? Yeah. Gee? Yeah. So she'll be around. Please take advantage. Don't be shy. Come and meet Narayani. And if you have any other questions to ask her. I think we've all experienced. What was that? One of those uh, three miseries of hunger and thirst. We all forgot about it, body. right? We were still here. And, and <laughs> body yeah. and mind. Body and mind. Thank you all. Uh, see you next week. Have a great week. Stay sweet. Stay connected. Stay out of trouble. Hare Krishna.